Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. Hope your week is going well. Hope your aquascapes are looking good. We'll be setting up a photo gallery on the website, uh, so send in your photos to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, whether you're a beginner or advanced, it uh, doesn't matter. We're all in this thing together, uh, so send them in. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have set up. And don't forget to check out episode two of the Aquascaping Podcast uh, for some Aquascaping Photography 101 uh, tips and tricks. All right, listeners, let's take some time to talk about balancing our time, budget, and experience level. These three factors are important in deciding what is the right aquascape for you and what expectations should you have for that aquascape. Here we go. All of us come at the hobby or our next aquascape with a different, um, different lessons we've learned uh, or different experiences with, with fish keeping or plant keeping. Um, for those of us new in the hobby, uh, you know, you may have never even grown any aquatic plants before. And so I think that's an important thing to consider that you don't have a lot of experience around it. And so what goals should coincide with a minimum level of experience. And I think the optimal or, or best goal to choose in that case is for this aquascape or this planet tank, I'm going to learn how to grow plants. I'm going to learn how this plant grows. I'm going to learn how that plant grows. What does it look like when it matures? Um, how does it grow? And then the, the thing with growing plants is learning to recognize when plants are growing well, but more importantly, when they're not growing well. And what does that mean the plant needs? Uh, there are certain signs like stunted tips that can say, you know, this, this plant needs CO2. Um, it's not growing well, and the stunted tip growth is a sign of that. Um, or I'm seeing some algae in here. Uh, what might be causing that? And, and in all cases, and I, I would say the biggest advice for, for, growing, for having an algae-free tank is to grow plants well. Um, you don't need to fight algae. Grow plants well. Um, a simple word of advice there um, that I got when I first started in the hobby and it rings true when you are growing plants well you won't see algae and so as a starting hobbyist I recommend learning to grow your plants well learning what they're going to need and just trying it out go for a practice tank that's what I did um, I tried all kinds of different uh, I tried a couple different lights uh, I tried uh, DIY CO2 which I learned I hate uh, for many reasons, most of all, um, I'm not good at uh, changing out the solutions. You need to be pretty diligent to use DIY CO2. It was inconsistent, unreliable, uh, getting a good bubble rate, uh, getting good output was just a pain in the butt. And so I then moved on to pressurized CO2. And the next step there wasn't, I wasn't ready for, you know, big time aquascaping yet. I was still learning to grow plants and manage CO2 at that point. Um, because just because you get pressurized doesn't mean you know how to use it and doesn't mean you know how to recognize when you have good levels of CO2 and when you don't. Uh, using pressurized CO2 is probably one of the most challenging things in the hobby. It's the hardest thing to measure, to estimate, and it is one of the most critical pieces in growing a number of different plants. Uh, well, you know, it seems like people want to skimp out and, you know, not go for pressurized and, you know, maybe I'll try DIY, which is fine. It works for a little while. But for somebody who's just kind of teeter-tottering um, on CO2 setup, uh, what, what would you tell them? 
Um, I would tell them if you can do it, if you can make it work, do it. Um, because, you know, pressurized CO2 is really what's opened up the wide availability of plants to us in the hobby today. Um, you know, there's this story many have heard of, you know, Amano wondering if adding CO2 to water would help plants grow because they need CO2. And he poured soda water into his tank and saw this response out of the plants and suddenly had this um, epiphany moment that, you know, we really should be trying to get CO2 into our tanks. I don't know how true that story is or, you know, if it's this this um, romantic story from ADA, but it is something that has kind of revolutionized the hobby um, in a way that nothing, nothing else has uh, for a long time. As a more advanced hobbyist, uh, at that point, I think it's you can start really experimenting with different uh, techniques to get different looks. Um, it's maybe important to set goals about uh, trying different styles out. I think that's the next stage there. Once you grow plants well, um, you start trying different uh, different styles of aquascapes. You know, people will try a new agumi, or maybe they try a Dutch style tank, or maybe they're going for nature style. And you start playing around with all of that. And then the hobby really starts to be fun because um, you're no longer focused on just the, the small pieces of, of how does this all work, but you're more into the stage of expressing yourself as a hobbyist and building this um, aquascape that, that is pleasing to, to look at, to sit in front of, and, and to have fish in. Now, I kind of fell into this hobby uh, by accident. Um, you know, I went down in the basement one day. I was cleaning out, and I found an old 10-gallon tank. Uh, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, what can I do with this? You know, for little, you know, to no money. I just want to make something cool. Uh, and that's how I went online and started researching and discovered aquascaping. And come to find out, I couldn't really do that much without at least investing some money, right? You know, and now. You know, I have all these gadgets and a pressurized CO2 system. I went, you know, way further than I thought I would initially. Um, but there are some ways that you can uh, cut costs um, and save some money. You know, we advocate using pressurized CO2 a lot on this show. Um, but, you know, I do have to say it's possible to do it without CO2. Um, you know, things will be a lot slower. Uh, you know, you're going to need a lot less light and that kind of thing. Uh, or you can use uh, a DIY method. I recommend using the citric acid method, which I used for a little while. Um, you know, so you can do it without the pressurized system and save money there. Uh, but it is, you know, like we say, highly recommended to use pressurized. You can also do uh, DIY lighting, uh, which is what I did also on my on my setup. Because, um, like I said, I wanted to save as much money as I could. And when I was researching lighting, uh, you know, they seem pretty expensive for what they were. So I did a little bit more research and ended up going with two 10 watt LED floodlights. And I hooked them up, you know, into a waterproof junction box. Everything's plugged into a GFCI uh, outlet, uh, you know, so we're safe there. And they work great. Actually, I have too much output. Um, and the way I regulate it is just by raising the lights uh, up above, uh, further away from the water surface. 
And that's just the way I mounted them. I have them mounted to a shelf that's hanging uh, a little bit higher above the aquarium and they're suspended uh, by wire. So I'm able to raise them up higher or drop them down lower. And that's how I regulate the light. And you could also do that with a, you know, a fader of some sort. But I'm going kind of going off track here. But what I'm trying to say is that you can save some money. Um, uh, but there are some places where you should invest. And that's, that's why we're saying pressurized CO2 is the important one. You don't want to skimp on that item. Uh, you know, you can get uh, the rimmed aquarium. You can get DIY lights. You can make your own stand. Uh, you know, but you don't want to skimp out on uh, certain pieces of equipment. Um, again, if you go to aquascapingpodcast.com, uh, check out the shopping list and that'll help you kind of budget things out. It'll uh, allow you to kind of write every single item out with its price and you'll be able to tell exactly where you are before you even purchase the first item. So maybe you can shift some things around or change priorities. Budget's something a lot of us think about when we're setting up a system. Uh, many of us, most of us, all of us have some budget in mind when we are starting our next aquascape and um, that's going to be probably the primary driving point for most of us in deciding what we do with our aquascape and what goals we have for it. Um, If you're new or just getting into the hobby, uh, you probably haven't uh, ever purchased a CO2 system and I think a pressurized CO2 system is probably the most important factor to consider uh, in your budget. If you are planning on getting one or if you're planning on not getting one and that is going to be what kind of dictates what you decide to get elsewhere. Um, there's lots of ways to do uh, a cheaper substrate. Uh, my One of my favorite examples of just going really cheap on the substrate and saving lots of money is using pool filter sand from your local uh, hardware store and, and using driftwood with epiphytic plants. Uh, these are things like uh, Bulbitis, Microsorum, Teropus, uh, Anubius, uh, even the Buses. But if you got it, honestly, if you have budget concerns, I don't think the Buses are your best option considering those things are going for 40 bucks a clump these days. Um, but um, these are all plants that don't require a special planet tank substrate or wouldn't benefit greatly from a planet tank uh, substrate because they can be tied and grown on hardscape. Um, in this case, it would be important to fertilize the water column, of course, because you'd have an inert substrate that wouldn't be providing any nutrients, but you could still do a planet tank uh, and not have a big fancy uh, substrate. Also, people have DIY'd their own substrates, um, planet tank substrates, uh, mineralizing uh, soil, uh, all kinds of techniques out there you can look into um, without spending a lot of money on your substrate. Hello Aquascaping Podcast listeners, Uh, it's time for a quick tip. Today's tip, put your aquascape in a room you'll be in often. Uh, This is going to help you remember to do the daily regular maintenance, uh, feed your fish, dose the fertilizers, and maybe even trim an errant stem. You're going to get the most out of your aquascape, you're going to enjoy it, and other people are going to get the chance to enjoy it too. Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about here is time and how much time do we need to dedicate uh, to our aquascape? Um, You know, we kind of have to be honest with ourselves and and think about that from the beginning. Are we the type of person that doesn't want to spend much time on maintenance at all and spend more time just sitting back and enjoying it? 
Uh, or are we the kind of person that likes to, you know, do a lot of trimming, uh, a lot of hands-on, uh, a lot of cleaning? Uh, you know, if we like that aspect of it, like me, I like water changes. I like doing them. I don't know why I'm weird. Uh, but, you know, we have to decide which kind of person are we and let that kind of dictate which way you go and what kind of aquascape you create. Um, you know, because, you know, if you set up a really high tech tank, uh, but you don't want to do all this maintenance because you're going to need to do a lot of it uh, weekly, uh, if not more. Um, you know, the, the aquascape is going to suffer and ultimately you're not going to have uh, something that you enjoy. Uh, so anyways, there's a couple of things that uh, kind of regulate how much maintenance we're going to have to do and how much time we're going to have to spend. One is the aquarium size, uh, right? The bigger the aquarium, the more time it's going to take to do maintenance on it. Uh, water changes will take longer, uh, cleaning the glass, doing trimming, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, another thing is a low-tech tank versus a high-tech tank. A low-tech tank, maybe uh, you're not running CO2, you have low lighting, things will go very slow. Uh, you know, there's not going to be that much maintenance, and the intervals in which you do the maintenance will be far less uh, than if you do a high-tech tank. Uh, if you have a high-tech, pressurized CO2, high lighting, things are going to grow fast. Uh, you'll be cleaning the glass a lot more often. You have to clean the filter going to be fertilizing a lot more and uh, if you don't do those things uh, the aquascape can go downhill really quickly so you want to stay on top of it so if you're a kind of person that maybe won't do that <laughs> and you know that uh, you might want to go for a low tech if you're like me I like tinkering I like uh, I like hands-on so I enjoy the high tech tank and uh, and doing that maintenance there's a couple ways you can speed up maintenance um, or streamline it. One is with the water change. You can get a python, uh, which hooks directly into the faucet. You're able to drain the water in your tank and fill it up from the same line without buckets. So that's perfect for a larger tank. For me, I have a 10-gallon. Uh, so I'm doing a 50% every week, which is 5 gallons. So I use a bucket. And what I did was I went to the hardware store. I got a tube, which is the same diameter as a, uh, a small pump that I bought. And I siphon the water out with the tube into the bucket, dump the bucket, fill it back up, put in the chlorinator, then hook that tube up to the pump, which goes in the bucket, which then pumps back into the aquarium. Now, that whole, uh, that whole process only takes me about seven minutes, uh, and it's super quick, and it's actually kind of fun. Um, so there's one way you could kind of maybe streamline your water change. Um, but how about you guys? What have you done? What have you learned through your maintenance uh, to kind of speed things up? I'm sure there's a lot of tips and tricks out there uh, that you guys have that you've worked out. So feel free to send them in, aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. I'll read them here on the show. I'll give you guys credit. Uh, if you want to leave them in the show notes, that's cool too. Um, but yeah, I'm sure there's a lot out there. Uh, anyways, I'm going to wrap up the show here. I hope you got something out of it this week. Uh, there's plenty more coming in the future, uh, so stay tuned. Uh, aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com is my email. Uh, you can go to aquascapingpodcast.com. That's the website. Don't forget to subscribe, tell a friend, you know, all that stuff. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, have a good week, guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.